Welcome to Diamond Gems, a Shaped by Sports podcast. I am your host, Greg, not Jacob. Jacob has some some computer issues. His super expensive laptop, Zuckerberg-style laptop, is uh, failing him right now. Uh, as always, though, I am joined by my co-host, Isaac Coates. How are you doing? Pretty good. You just you deserve a round of applause for the intro. I think you covered it, but who actually knows? This is what, Do you watch The Office? Uh, I do. I've this seen it, like, I think, twice. Do you remember the episode when they were try- trying to decide if uh, Stanley had a mustache or not? I was like, <laughs> yeah. did we cover everything in this intro or did we not? Yeah, Who knows? I, f- I feel like a an Andy Bernard right now. Like I, I'm no I'm no Steve Carell, and I'm just like filling the void. I'm gonna go find a cruise ship or something. <laughs> Run away for the rest of this episode and leave me hanging. Yeah. All right. I guess I guess we can jump into things because last week there's not a lot happening, and then all of a sudden everything just kind of was busting at the seams on what was it like Wednesday? Um, yeah. With with the news, we'll start with uh, Yerman Mercedes. I don't know what was going on with that guy. He started off so hot, kind of fell off a cliff all around, you know, that um, that one incident with the 3-0 home run. But uh, basically, he's having a little crisis, uh, got sent down to the minors to figure himself out, announced that he was retiring or that he was, you know, it was over. And then was it the next day or the same night? He uh, posted a picture with a phoenix rising the from the ashes. Yeah, rising from the ashes. And he was in the lineup for the AAA team. <laughs> Uh, what what do you think about Yerman's little little crisis there? Oh my God! I honestly I'm hesitant because maybe there's something legitimate going on in his life, but what it looks like on the surface to me is he had his 15 seconds of fame. He had that little moment where he was on fire, and he came out of absolutely nowhere. He wasn't a good player prior to that, um, and he started raking, and then he fell off a cliff. And then he got sent down, and all of a sudden the spotlight was off of him. And I don't know if he really wanted it back, so he announced his retirement. Or I don't know if there's something going on. But to announce your retirement, not tell anybody in your organization, and then play the next day, to me that like it looks like a publicity stunt. He oh, really sure. he lost the attention. He wanted it back, and his one day retirement. We can't even call it a retirement because there was no actual retirement. It, he made a fucking Instagram post. Yeah. Uh, see, I think uh, he wanted our Mickey Mouse rookie of the first <laughs> half, and when he didn't get it, he was pissed because so, he you know <laughs> fell off a cliff. He wasn't doing well. Didn't get that award, and he's like, you know what? Not worth it. I'm retiring. Those guys didn't see my my greatness. Oh well. Um, then so are you? Are you blaming Tony Larusa for his fall off? How could you fucking blame Tony Larusa? Whoever's blaming Tony Larusa is an idiot. This man makes his own decisions. There was one little moment where he threw him under the bus, and that happens. People have disagreements, but for him <laughs> to retire over Tony Larusa being an asshole or him hitting a cliff because Tony Larusa is being an asshole, that's ridiculous. And Tony Larusa that night. I remember, like, I forget the exact words that he said, but his statement was, like, they actually do get along, and they have a relationship, and he's going to reach out to him. So he had reached out to him that night or the morning, the next day, and then he came back. So if anything, if anything, with Tony LaRusso, Tony LaRusso re- revived him. He brought him back. Yeah, t- Tony LaRusso <laughs> put him in the news, really. <laughs> um, so quick, quick little stat drop here. Uh, when he was, you know, setting the world on fire in April, he was batting 415, and then, like you said, he fell off a cliff. He was batting 198 with a 536 OPS. 
that's pretty shitty. Uh, again, I don't know if you can blame Tony Larusa. Maybe he couldn't just handle the spotlight. You know, he was getting in his own head. Maybe he has problems at home. Who knows? Fell off a cliff, dropped down to AAA, supposedly retired. Like you said, can't really call it a retirement. There were no papers filed. He's he's no Brett Favre coming out of retirement to play for <laughs> what the Vikings. I'm no no NFL junkie, but he's 28-year-old rookie. Like his career is a little bit wonky kind of overall uh, what what else can we expect from Yerman, right <laughs> the Yerminator. yeah well, the Yerminator. um he had what did he start off nine for his first nine is that right yeah something like that was did he set an mlb record i remember when he like his first game was like five five or five and then the next game you start watching is like this is interesting and he keeps hitting and keeps hitting and that was a crazy moment from this random dude and i mean to be honest, I don't even know if we're going to be talking about him at the end of the season. Do you think he's going to come back up? No, no chance. I think, <laughs> personally, the White Sox are going to make a couple moves at the, de- at the deadline, fill a couple spots, and Yerman's never going to be heard of again. He'll be a triple A <laughs> hero at best. I mean, he did come back and hit a bomb out of his retirement. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a moonshot. Yeah, he cranked it. <laughs> I, I don't know how tall the guy is, but he, he was hitting like he was Vladdy. Yeah, came um, back from the dead. So, I don't know if you have anything else to say about Yerman before uh, we pop into a big... Sorry, go ahead. I think we should just take the spotlight off of him and not talk about him again unless he gets really hot because that little... Whatever it was, I it shouldn't be talked about because it's embarrassing for everybody. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, okay, with that being said, we will talk trade season. Uh, July 30th, trade deadline in the MLB. Uh, do you want to start on deals that have already gone down or potential deals to be made? Um, let's just cover some of the trades that have already happened. Um, so there's always like a, a bunch of little transactions. Let's just focus on the bigger ones. Um, yeah. The first one, July 15th, Jock Peterson got moved to Chicago. I mean, moved from Chicago, sorry. Um, and that kind of spouted Chicago being the seller that we think they're going to become now so there could be some more pieces moving away from them in return they got brace ball we don't have to touch deeply on that it's not that big of a trade um and then a few small transactions between and then we jumped to july 22nd and that was a massive move nelson cruz is going to tampa bay we don't need to talk about anybody else in that deal because this is obviously <laughs> Nelson Cruz going to Tampa Bay. This is pretty incredible. And what do you make of this? First off, I want to acknowledge that uh, our fearless leader, Jacob, his his king, Nelson, <laughs> is going to the hitter's grave graveyard, if you will, Tropicana Field. I, I don't know if he's the guy that's going to make Tropicana Field work, but uh, if anyone can do it, I believe in Nelson. Um, I like the deal for the Rays. Uh, I don't know if you've taken a look at their lineup pre and post trade, but uh, before the trade, Austin Meadows, I think, was getting a lot of the DH work. Being able to put him in the outfield takes and put Nelson at DH takes at-bats away from guys like G-Man Choi. Not that he's a deal-breaker in a lineup, but obviously the Rays are a lot more dangerous now. I think it makes them potential AL favorites. I, you could argue you know, Red Sox, Astros, but... Um, I like the Rays maybe coming out of the AL now. I got to give it a little more thought, I think. But what's yeah. what's your take? Well, when was the last time the Rays were on this side of a massive trade, bringing is, in a huge star? Is it probably when they 
what was it? They dealt Chris Archer for Austin Meadows. But Austin Meadows pieces. had half a season of excellence at that to that point. He was a decently regarded prospect who had just yeah. come up and was hitting very well. So I don't know. There was no star caliber there at that point. Okay. What What about David Price? Was he was raised when the when well, the Jays got, picked him up, right? Well, he, he got traded away. That's my point. So yeah. they they ship off their big guys to yeah, bring in like Randy Rosarena. We can talk about. They traded for him, and then he was a ninth ranked prospect, and then he got called up, and he was massive from there. Most of their players aren't massive, aren't big until they start playing in Tampa Bay. Now to see this happen. To me, this is freaking amazing. I love this trade for Tampa Bay. I had them picked to win their division, and, I mean, this is a huge step to it. I don't care if this is a a hitter's graveyard. This is a guy with 30 park power, absolutely. Like, I'll take this trade all day. And I don't know if you saw the Twins game yesterday, and they are a <laughs> terrible team. Without, I don't want to say they're terrible, but they're bad without mm-hmm. Nelson Cruz in that lineup. They almost got no hit against Patrick Sandoval last night, which is pretty incredible. Um, so they're all already missing that hole of Nelson. I don't it, really know what more to say about that. It's amazing. Just touch on the twins quick. It's amazing that before the season, they were the favorites maybe with the white Sox to finish top two in the division. And they're, you know, keeping pace with the tigers at this point and the Royals <laughs> Like that, that team is just a mess. But like you said, I like the Rays going out and getting a big piece. Maybe their fan base, their their culture needed a little bit of a shock in that way. Uh, let me read you a lineup pre and post Nelson Cruz trade. You got a Rosarena, Brujan, Meadows, Franco, Lau, Choi, Maya, Wendell, and Brett Phillips. And then with Nelson Cruz, we got Lau, Choi, Cruz, Meadows, Wendell, Franco, Kiermaier, Zanino, and Phillips. I I'd say that's a pretty significant change in a lineup. Like that's obviously he's Nelson Cruz, but like if you put that lineup against the Red Sox pre and post trade, I'd potentially take the Rays there. It's the Red Sox, you know, are they're firing on all cylinders this year. It's hard to go against them, but I'd take yeah. the Rays. Absolutely. Like I you know, we never really look at the Rays as a formidable offense. Um just because it's not star studded. They have a bunch of pretty solid players that fly under the radar a little bit and then bringing in a guy like Nelson Cruz is obviously amplifying what this lineup is and he's going to slot number three I would assume number four it's interesting to see what they'll do with him because he's a guy that's usually pretty locked into his routine and to be placed on a team that has no such thing as a routine it's pretty interesting yeah they're uh they remind me like the Carolina Hurricanes of the baseball world where you know they're not going to star stud their lineup but they're going to be those little builders that just keep chipping away every every year they seem to put it together no matter how many small pieces they have um moving on from that trade we had another deal uh rich hill went to the mets for infielder matt dyer dwyer and relief pitcher tommy hunter essentially this was a cap dump um in the tommy hunter part of things uh and the mets get rich hill to add to their rotation um, that potential rotation of five to six guys sounds a little something like DeGrom, Taiwan Walker, Marcus Stroman, Rich Hill, Carlos Carrasco, and Noah Syndergaard, some sort of shape and form of those uh, six guys. Uh, what do you what do you think about that deal? It's funny that the Rays are on this side of a trade, too. They, get, yeah. they covered both grounds in two days. Um, yeah. I mean, 
Rich Hill is pretty stable in the back end of your rotation. Um, I think he. I think it's going to come in handy with Degrom down the stretch, with him being kind of injured on and off, and you never know what's going to happen to the other players. I think this is just a good piece of depth that they're adding. Um, I don't really understand it fully on the Rays side because I do think Rich Hill, I get, he's not going to blow you away. He's not going to do anything magical, but he is a guy that can help bring you. So he he's a good supporting member of your team to bring you to the playoffs. So it's interesting to see what how Tampa Bay responds to not having him, and it's going to be even more interesting to see how the Mets actually respond to having him. See, uh, all good points. I also think the Mets rotation just looks like a band aid top to bottom. Degrom obviously has those flexor issues this year. Kind of always is in and out of the DL. Stroman on and off the DL. Taiwan Walker had an IL stint this year. Carlos Carrasco hasn't made a start. Syndergaard hasn't made a start. Rich Hill on and off the IL. Um, it maybe it's just like you said another piece for depth. So you just have another guy that's going to fill a spot in a rotation in case of injury. If all those guys are healthy, does he make your top five? Mm, I doubt it. <laughs> you know what this kind of reminds me of? You know how the it was the Angels, I believe, right? They drafted nine pitchers. Or something yeah. like that. Their first yeah. nine rounds were all pitchers. This is basically the MLB twenty-six man roster form of that, where they're just putting every starting pitcher they can, and hoping that five of them stay healthy. So, yeah, but uh, I could see Rich Hill maybe being a long, long relief guy. Yeah. I, he's he's old. He's he's he doesn't have the innings left in him. He's not a stud on the mound. Maybe get him in there if they're getting blown out. Eat some innings. That's that's what I think of this if the rotation is fully healthy. I think following DeGrom, who's chucking 100 miles per hour, and then you bring in this guy that's hovering around 73. Yeah, it goes from hardball to slow pitch real fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, any any more notes on the Rich Hill deal? or um, No. Move into potentials. Are there, is there any... Any other big deals that's happened in the last few minutes that we've been chatting? Not them, not that yeah. I've seen. So we're still no a little slow, news. still a little early. Okay, uh, so we'll go. We'll go to the rumor mill here on potential deals that are may or may not be made leading up to the deadline. I'm gonna throw out some names. You can add, subtract any names from there, and we can kind of pick a landing spot for each of these guys. So rumor mill, big names that they're uh, that are flying around. Starlin Marte is one from the Marlins. Uh, Trevor Story on the Rockies, obviously superstar shortstop. You know, a little turmoil with the with the front office and their star players. So it's it'll be fun to see where he ends up if he goes anywhere. Uh, I heard the name Max Kepler thrown around on the rumor mill as well. Again, Twins maybe fall in suit in that seller seller fashion. Uh, and Max Scherzer, big name starting pitcher, could go to a contender now that the Nats are falling off a little bit. That Schwarber injury was decimating to the Nats. Why don't we start with them? Uh, Max Scherzer, I have I have a team in mind, but did you have did you have one that might be a fit? I'm thinking, do we have the same team? Maybe is it AL East? I was thinking AL West. Okay, well I have some Blue Jays bias here because I'm going with the Jays, okay. who obviously could benefit from an arm like this. We honestly like Ryu. He's a great number two. He's not a true ace caliber pitcher. If you have this one two three punch with Scherzer, Ryu, and Robbie Ray, who's setting the league on fire out of nowhere that would be great well not out of no we knew robbie ray was a good pitcher is this his command his uh what's it called fucking can't speak um whatever he can't throw the he he has no command he can't throw the ball in the strike zone yeah 
if he got that together, then he would be able to be a dominant pitcher. We seen him, we did he saw him do that in Arizona. It's not shocking that he's doing it now. If we have Scherzer, Ryu, and Robbie Ray as your one, two, three punch, they're a legitimate team now. We that was their biggest issue aside from bullpen. If yeah, and they they do have pieces to give up. So that's my next question: Who are they giving up? Are they giving up an active roster player or giving up? you know high profile prospects i mean we do have some good prospects in our organization yeah i'd i'd say they're top five in prospect rankings in the league debatably yeah but i i don't know they still they do have those extra outfield pieces that could potentially be moved um i mean i could still see gritchick being part of a deal but i don't know if he offers much upside for any organization at this point more likely lordis guriel I assume the Nats are going to want a pretty hefty package. They're going to want some guys that are going to make immediate impact and then some prospects. A guy like Scherzer is going to command some of the best return in the league, debatably, for starting pitching. So I, I would assume they're going to want a top-level pitching prospect. If if you're the Nats, you probably want like a third baseman, first baseman prospect because they're a little thin there. Um, maybe an outfielder, like you said, a Gritchick. I think wherever he goes, you're stripping your your minor league system for him. That's it. So you have to be sure you're legitimate contender. That's my only contingent. My my contingent on Toronto is they have to add bullpen pieces first because if they don't have a legitimate shot at making it, there's no way they should strip their entire organization organization for a pitcher. True. Agreed. Uh, I have like a half question for you before I say where I'm going to put Scherzer ending up um with Scherzer on the Blue Jays in your scenario are they coming out of the AL or are they going to hit a roadblock in Tampa or in Boston or Chicago for that matter I have uh... see I I think even with Scherzer he if let's say theoretically he gives you a win and Ryu wins you know one or two of every three games so playoff wise I don't know how that's going to work out but let's say they make the playoffs first round they play Boston I think Boston's beating them. If they play the Rays, I still think the Rays are going to take them out. I don't think it's a concern of what we do when we're in the playoffs. I think it's a concern if they make it to the playoffs. I think that's all you're concerned about right now. Let's not consider who you might be facing in the playoffs. It's, yeah. And if they make it to the playoffs, they have a legitimate shot at beating any team in the AL East because they would have to beat some of those teams to even get in there. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I'm i going to go maybe a little bit weird on my pick here. I want to say Seattle. Last week, I said Seattle may be one of those teams to make a push. They're a few games behind, Oak, behind Oakland for um, second and third place in the AL West. There's enough season left that they can make a push. They got Kyle Lewis coming off the DL. Kalenic, you know, hopefully figures it out and makes his like big league de- debut per se in the sense that he's going to start hitting his stride. They have the prospect system, and they have a lot of those young guns that they could give up to get a guy like Scherzer that would look look good on the Nats, you know, return bill. Um, I don't know if I'm crazy thinking about that, but <laughs> I think if if that happens, you would look like a genius. But that is a flyer pick. Absolutely. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> Not that I expect it to happen, but I think it would be cool to see Max Scherzer go there. Seattle's not the biggest market either, so it might look odd seeing a big name in a Seattle uniform, but. We're going to get to those big names later on. We definitely had some big names at some point. <laughs> yeah. Um, aside from Max Scherzer, why don't we touch on Starlin Marte? Uh, I'll start with my pick because 
I I don't know, maybe you have the same same thought here, but I want to say Starlin Marte to the Phillies, and is it Dombrowski, the GM of the Phillies? Um, he went on the record to say that they're going to be very aggressive this year at the trade deadline. They're not, you know, turning down any talks. If they can make their team better, they're going to make their team better. They've already been linked to Craig Kimbrell. Um, their outfield outside of Bryce Harper and Andrew McCutcheon is Odubel Herrera in that other spot. That would be a huge upgrade. That's a huge middle middle of the lineup bat for a team like the Phillies with the Braves already kind of down and out. Marlins are an okay team. I'd say not playoff team. The Mets aren't running away with the division yet. I could see the Phillies making a big push. They're a few games back now. Make a push for Starlin Marte. Maybe they get Craig Kimbrell. I don't know what they're going to give up. But Starlin Marte to the Phillies sounds like a perfect fit in my mind. Yeah. I that's I like that pick. If he comes in there, that's a huge, huge presence with a bunch of vet, veterans around him in that outfield. And that's a pretty – they're reuniting. He's reuniting with McCutcheon if that happens. I kind of like that. Um, my picks, I have, well, three options. Okay. The Yankees need a center fielder. Absolutely. Right now, like, they're, what's going on there? You can't trust Gardner, and Hicks is done. So, yeah. the, And the Yankees um, are always buying yeah. too, right? They're never afraid to spend yeah. money. So, But that's kind of my, like, I don't really care team. I think I have my one p- real pick is definitely San Francisco Giants. Okay. They kind of have this rotation of four outfielders that are all mediocre, and they could easily be replaced. Adding... And they need to add somebody. There's no way they can compete down the stretch between San Diego and Los Angeles, who are two of the best teams in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely there. And my other pick would be Houston. So Houston's already on route to make the playoffs, but I think um, Miles Straw has done a decent job in center field, but he's not really the guy that you want in center field. They just had George Springer for the past yeah. how many years, and he's not your replacement. I think that could be a great landing spot for Starling Marte. He could top your lineup. He could. He's literally a great replacement for George Springer. Yeah. Except he's better than George Springer, in my opinion. Um, so I think Houston, to me, is a primary landing spot for him, and then San Francisco. Um, but I like that Philly pick too. Um, I I could see Houston working, like you said. I think he's an upgrade over Springer as well. Brings a little more to the table. Better base runner. Cover more ground. Him and Kyle Tucker in the outfield, that would be a pretty deadly deadly one, too. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have my Astros knowledge, you know, up to snuff here. Who would be their third outfielder in that in that scenario? Brantley? Yeah. Or is he more of a DH? I don't know how they're lining up day-to-day. I, I refuse to watch them, but I just know their current center fielder is Miles Straw. Yeah. I and he, he should be a fourth outfielder. That That's not a, a playoff deep run in my opinion like miles straw is not going to contribute enough to actually make a difference in center field yeah well in desperate situations they could put jordan alvarez out there um they don't have depth there like no they have four outfielders and one of them um chase mccormick shouldn't shouldn't even be on the damn roster yeah no i so not even worth a mention yeah, they honestly they could use any outfield help. So if you get the number one outfield outfielder on the block, then that's the guy you want to go after. Yeah. Um, uh, there's three more names I want to bring up. Uh, we'll save the big one for last in Trevor's story. But 
I want to mention Joey Gallo is in contract extension talks right now. So who knows if he actually gets dealt? I know he was linked to the, at least the Yankees. Um, again, they're trying to fill that that outfield spot. Uh, Max Kepler was a name that we threw or I threw out already. I would like to see Max Kepler in a White Sox uniform. Um, they're here. I'll bring up their their depth chart here, but they have Eloy Jimenez coming back. They're still leading the Central. Likely going to make the playoffs. They got a, a pretty good lineup, even without Eloy and Luis Robert uh, in the lineup. Their outfield right now is Andrew Vaughn, Billy Hamilton, and Brian Goodwin. So if you can add Max Kepler to that mix, I think that makes a big difference in a contending team. Does it put them over the edge to be the AL favorite? Probably not, but it would t- it would yeah probably take a good chunk out of that. Yeah, I I like that landing spot. Um, I, I know the Max Kepler thing. I think I, I heard about that maybe this morning, so that might still be a little bit fresh. Who knows if he actually gets moved. Yeah, but, uh, yeah that, that's news to me. Too. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, twins fall in suit with that seller profile. Yeah. Um, and then the big name, I guess, at the trade deadline is Trevor Story. Uh, before I jump in, do you have do you have your, your landing spot for Trevor Story if you think he's going anywhere? Well, I had a landing spot at Milwaukee, and then I had a landing spot at St. Louis. I thought he's going to go to that AL Central division. But I am so unsure of this whole situation now because there's so many teams that want him. And the GM was saying that they're not a farm system for other teams. So, honestly, there could be... He might stick around there. Who knows? And they might try to draw up some extension for him. But this one, to me, is this, I, I'm not even going to put a shot in the dark here. Fair enough. There could be, there's 15 destinations for him. I I definitely understand the whole we want to keep him around. He's a, a franchise guy. The fans love him. If you can build around Trevor's story, you build around him. The Rockies are far from making it deep in the playoffs to be a contender. I think they're so many pieces away they need good starting pitching in which herman marquez is their best starter and besides that they got a whole lot of a whole lot of hot hot garbage um maybe that's just my opinion i don't know i think they're so so far away by the time they actually get their team around to being playoff or world series contenders trevor story is going to be out of his prime he's not worth keeping around unless you keep him around as a mentor i i don't think that's going to work so i see him getting moved as always, I think. Yeah. Go ahead. I do. I agree. Like he should be moved. Just the comments from their GM kind of yeah. rubbed me a little different. So just to be clear, he is turning twenty nine in this off season. So he is gonna be out of his prime in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's kind of supports the reason why I don't think he's gonna stick around in Colorado unless he just wants to waste away and not make the playoffs anymore. Put up some good numbers in a good hidden ballpark and get a get a good paycheck uh i think as always it seems like every every name that gets thrown out there is tied to the yankees he's tied to the yankees i think he's a good fit there i think glaber torres like we've talked about a lot of times he's a dog shit shortstop he's he's a below average second baseman but he he won't get as many balls hit to him there so he can tuck him away there and keep his this year at least his shitty bat in the lineup and hoping that he'll turn it around and find a spark move dj lemayu to first base Gio urshela comes back plays third I think that's a pretty stellar lineup. That's maybe a lineup that can help the Yankees playoff push, but they're pretty far back right now. I don't think they're they're in striking range yet, especially with their starting pitching. Um, but that's I'm not front office. I don't make those calls. I think the Yankees are going to make a good run at story. Um, 
the other landing spot I have for him, you actually had for Starlin Marte. I, I can see the Giants making a run at Trevor Story. Everyone is still saying the Giants are going to fall off. Everyone is expecting them just to collapse out of nowhere and it be a Dodgers-Padres race. But if the Giants are going to stay in contention for the AL West lead and potentially win that division, I think a guy like Trevor Story is absolutely necessary to make that happen. I don't think they're going to make it happen without a guy like Trevor Story. Yeah. It's funny to me. Have the Yankees ever not been in talks with every potential landing trade target? Maybe maybe they just got spies everywhere and just they're they're linked to everyone because they have so many people out in the out in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they can also they there is a scenario where they land both two of these guys. So <laughs> That's true. I don't know. I don't know who they're giving up for that, but Yeah. They their prospect systems, I'd say not great. They got Jason Dominguez, who is apparently the Mike, next Mike Trout. I'll believe it when I see it. He's like, what, 18? Um, There's always somebody that's the next Mike Trout. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure someone said that in the line that Jared Kelenic was the Mike, next Mike Trout. Who is, he's never been the Mike, next Mike Trout. No, he's hitting. There's always, people are always saying it. Jared Kelenic is hitting, what, 150, 160, if that? Oh, I didn't even think he was over 100. Yeah. Other than that, what, first, second game where he hit that home run, went four for five? He hasn't really done anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then he gets sent down and he tears it up and comes back up again and does the same thing. So it's weird. Is he is he is he ever going to hit an MLB baseball? Maybe he's one of those guys where he's a reverse Yerman Mercedes. He starts off (laughs) shitty, you know, taking a lot of heat and then he'll turn around the, the rest of his career. He'll be hitting five for five and setting the world on fire. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to be on the side that I don't believe in him now. I'm not writing him off by any means. I just, it's weird the way his progression is going. Like he's tearing it up. So he's not, so you know, nothing's wrong with what he's doing in the minor leagues. And then he comes up and he can't hit the ball. So I don't know if that's something to do with pressure, um, his own expectations, or there's something more going on. But I mean, he'll be here full time next year and have a fresh start. So. I, I'm I'm willing to write this season off for him. See, I think a lot of the off-season talk from the Seattle head office about how they're manipulating service time, I think that maybe got in his head a little bit. He's thinking about it. He wants to prove him wrong. He wants to go out there and put on a show, and he's putting too much pressure on himself. Maybe I'm not a psychologist. I don't know what's going on. I'm not in the locker room. Um, yeah, maybe he's just got a case of the yips. It's still early. He's had 100, 200 at-bats, if that. Uh, I don't know if there's a landmark of at bats where you see guy where you consider it. Okay, this guy's seasoned enough; he should have figured it out by now. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see what an off season of training and working with the team and being in the majors, knowing he has a starting spot, maybe that'll change his his psyche and he'll get out there and smash some baseballs. But right right now, it's hard to believe in him. Obviously. <laughs> okay, I just pulled the stat line up. So he has had. 111 at bats so just over the 100 mark and he isn't over 100 oh, nice. he is batting 99 all right and well. he has a 171 slugging percentage and a 187 ops is a 358 ops um it is not looking too good in 111 at bats he has struck out 40 times well he's doing better than i would do at the major league level he's got that going for him it's only going up from here um we'll see so you mentioned you had milwaukee for trevor story's landing spot what's your your final 
that if he's going somewhere, this is where he's going. Lock it in. St. Louis. Okay. Stepping in for Paul DeYoung, maybe make him a DH, or just Paul DeYoung's off the map now? I can figure something out for him, but I don't care about Paul DeYoung. I would take him out of the lineup if I could have Trevor Story in that lineup True. any day. I think a lot of people, a lot of teams around the league would do that. Also on the Trevor Story note, is he actually going to hit outside of Coors? Is is he just going to drop off, fall off, not hit any more home runs? His average will go down? <laughs> I think this is a major question mark with every single player that ever comes out of Coors. Yeah. And I want to say yes, but I'm starting to believe that, well, I mean, Arenado's holding his own, absolutely, but he's an, he is a star exception. Um, DJ LeMayhew hit very well because he was in Yankee Stadium. It fed his style of game. If you look at his home runs, maybe five of them were out at any other ballpark. Like He did not hit home runs anywhere else other than Yankee Stadium. Um, yeah, I, it could go either way with Trevor Bauer. I'm so true. Yikes. Yeah, he's not playing. With Trevor Story. <laughs> And thank God he's not. Um, yeah, I could see Trevor Story hitting like 240, but I could also see him hitting 310. Yeah. We'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, maybe, maybe if he goes to the Yankees, his boy DJ LeMay, who will <laughs> you know, coerce him into coming in, and then he'll just teach him how to hit opposite field, and he'll just smash yeah, it over that. Hit that short port. Yeah, 310 or 314 feet. Uh, he's Trevor Story has also talked, sorry to get you off, no, but he has talked a lot about how Coors Field favors right-handed batters, and a lot of his power is generated from that stadium, so he might not be the Trevor Bauer that we're used to seeing outside of a stadium. Yeah. Well, I said Trevor Bauer again, I'm pretty sure, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, Trevor Story. We'll call him Trevor Story. <laughs> it's un- unfortunate <laughs> well, he shares a name with... Uh, with a guy like that but yeah, i'm so yeah i'm sorry trevor sorry <laughs> which one <laughs> um <laughs> all right in other news uh the cleveland formerly indians have found a new name it's been a couple of years in the making i don't know if you might have seen the social media leaks of the the logo the jerseys the emblem or the crest on the hat any of that but they're now going to be known as at the end of the season the cleveland guardians terrible um what do you think okay you and jacob are i strongly disagree i would go as far as saying you guys are fucking dead dead wrong wrong. okay explain to me why the guardians is a good name well first of all jacob's explanation was guardians was guarding old traditions and he was trying to make a case that i mean saying that this is protecting the I mean, they got rid of this name, the Indians, even though that was their tradition, and now they're bringing in a game that's a name that's guarding traditions. That take doesn't make any sense at all to me because that's not what this is. This stadium is—I mean, not stadium. I the can't name. speak fucking <laughs> English today. I'm drunk. This name represents so the bridge they have the four guardians. I believe it's four guardians along one of their bridges, and they're the guardians of traffic. They're pretty monumental statues in. Cleveland because there's really nothing in Cleveland um, I think people would have been pissed off with any name that was original like this name I think this is a great name it's original do you want a fucking bird name again what do you want okay so we're naming we're naming shit after statues that are guarding the traffic but the next team is going to be called the Paul Blart Mall Cops or what these are land this these are landmarks in their city 
landmarks in Cleveland, like big city, right? I don't know. I don't like it. Gar- Guardian oh Guardians just sounds awkward. They're going to say, oh, next up for the Guardians, like Jose Ramirez. He's going to say, no, I want to trade. I want out of here. This is dog shit. <laughs> the name. Yeah. Okay, what's your name suggestion? What did you want? I got two. So before I name my two, the other ones that they were considering were the Spiders, probably better than the Guardians, and no. the Avengers. No, I don't like that. They're not going to wear capes out there. They're not going to wear shields. They're not going to have little little zappers on their hands like fucking Iron Man. No, not the Avengers. Um, my names, actually, before I touch on that, Guardians logo, I kind of like how they kept the, the color scheme and the C on the hat. I don't like that they changed the font, but... Besides that, I like that they kept the color scheme. Logo's okay. Um, names I chose, I have two of them. One is the miners, uh, as in like mining coal and whatever, because they were a big industrial city. They Back in the day, they were known to have large deposits of coal, iron, and ore. Um, so that's the miners. They could have worked around something like that with rocks. If they're going to name their team after rocks, you know, same, same sort of line. Um, the other one is the lumberjacks because apparently they're known as the forest city. So I feel like lumberjacks, something like that might be cool. I don't get the impression when I go to Cleveland, Ohio, that they're a bunch of lumberjacks. It's like a working class <laughs> factory built city. No, that, that, <laughs> okay. that came from me just looking up things like significant things about Cleveland and it came they came up you hate the name Cleveland Guardians and you want the Cleveland fucking lumberjacks <laughs> yeah, I don't know it's better than <laughs> the Guardian they're named after fucking statues no it's not okay when they were talking about their name they said they want they kept hearing things about loyalty pride and resiliency in being in Cleveland and so they're protective of people are protective of their city they're protective of the land and everything about it the land, that's also the Cle- if that's also Cleveland, by the way. The land, and they're guarding the damn city. This is a great name. I think anybody would have been pissed off at an original name. First of all, Cleveland Spiders is not original. They That was a previous name already. So people maybe want to go back to that because they like what they used to have. So some people are pissed off because they don't like originality. Other people are pissed off because they want Cleveland Indians because they're, they still live in 1940 and think it's still okay to do this shit and honestly like i think anybody would have been everybody is going to be pissed off at any kind of name change that's why washington is still washington football team and they (laughs) are still considering to keep washington football team after 2021 as well so i mean yeah that's stupid that's stupid too um i mean i didn't mind the spiders like we were i think we talked about this like a few weeks ago I didn't mind the Spiders branding. Some people were even saying, like, Cleveland Buckeyes. And that's kind of what I was saying with, like, people don't like originality. They want something that has been there. They want something familiar. So I think Guardians is really out of left field, and I think people are going to grow on it. Like, it's going to grow on people eventually. It's not a bird name. It's not an animal name. It's not a fucking color like the Browns. I think one thing we can agree on, maybe, is that they have the best branding in their city now uh or do you think the Cavs are better i think no i'd say right now they they have the best branding the Cavs, lebron era maybe um but i'm talking about namesake on on a different kind of note or a different direction i think every team name has sounded really awkward and shitty at the beginning could you imagine naming a team after like 
your laundry bin, you looked in and we we're like, oh, there's a red sock and there's a white sock. Let's name baseball <laughs> teams after that. Or like, yeah, exactly. You're playing dodgeball and you're like, oh man, that guy's a really good Dodger. Oh, like, where's he from? Oh, pretty cool. <laughs> Brooklyn? Nice. The Brooklyn Dodgers. Pretty awesome. Like, that, yeah, that probably think, sounded dumb. Yeah, no, I agree. That has to be consideration because this is original with this. Montreal Canadiens, first of all, Toronto Maple Leafs, Leafs, not Leaves, Leafs. Yeah. Um, there's a whole list of we could just go through a bunch of team names that just sound so fucking stupid oh yeah um any anything to add to the the cleveland naming saga other other than that you Uh, like the guardians and i hate it (laughs) hate it with a passion i think we should add jacob's point too that he also hates the guardians um and so it's two against one here but i'm gonna say i'm right and once eventually they will grow to like it or not mind it, at least. I think it's recency bias that's got them all pissed off and disappointed with the name, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, another another point Jacob had made, too. Um, it's the Cleveland Guardians, but not the cool Guardians like of the galaxy. It's not like they made that, that little raccoon their mascot or Star-Lord or anything like that. It's <laughs> the fucking just Guardians and been a bunch of big rock sculptures. I've said enough about this. <laughs> um, i like this topic do you want to jump into the mariners all-time team all right so the mariners were founded in 19 okay we're doing the mariners by the way obviously yeah we should i don't maybe we should have pre- do we preface that shit in our intro i think uh it's kind of in the in the episode title or last week we might have mentioned it <laughs> i don't know so right. we're doing the mariners yeah no <laughs> we're doing the mariners so the mariners were founded in 1977 and posted losing records until 1991 which is an all-time mark for the longest period before franchise's first winning season in other words they were absolute dog shit <laughs> and <laughs> 1992 and 1993 the blue jays won two back-to-back world series they had postseason appearances before that and I just wanted to point that out because they came in to the league during the same year. So that is awful. Like, god-awful. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> and to this day, the team is the only current major league organization to have never played in a World Series. And we're supposed to be celebrating this roster right now, but it's really hard to find something positive to say about this organization based on their success and their track record but they they have some studs well we'll, they do have some studs we'll touch on the studs. some iconic players yeah some iconic players absolutely um so the mariners if we we'll touch on that but the mariners played their baseball at the kingdom until 1999 the kingdom was also the home of the seahawks and the supersonics for a while did they host all three teams in the same era like simultaneously i yeah that's uh kind of out of my memory i wouldn't know that yeah we were barely alive at that point but that's that's pretty cool i haven't heard of a football team a baseball team and a basketball team all hosting all hosting their games in the same place i can imagine i can imagine that's a dumpster fire i i don't even know what want to know what that was like yeah so july 15th 1999 they moved into the safeco slash team mobile mobile park which is interesting because it took place mid-season um and jacob and i actually have experience in that stadium when it was safeco field that's why we said safeco field as well <laughs> because that's how we remember it and it's a gorgeous stadium. It was kind of one of the first ones that had the retractable roof 
not a dome necessarily and it was pretty gorgeous you could even with the roof you could still see outside you still got a breeze like it's a pretty gorgeous park in that regard pretty modern um one memory that i have of it though when it was safeco field oh my god they really cared about safety for literally half an hour i swear they were going through the safety precautions all their emergency <laughs> plans like everything because they were not taking any kind of risk their name safeco field they're going to go fucking crazy over safety so hopefully that's the one thing that has changed <laughs> With T-Mobile, we don't need to have 30 minutes of introductions just for safety. Um, but we can move into the starting rotation, which is Jacob's segment, but <laughs> Jacob is still not here. So do we want to do this? Um, do you want to start with bullpen? I'll go infield, and sure. then uh, maybe Jacob's able to jump in with starting pitching, and I'll finish off outfield. Okay, sounds good. Um, so in the bullpen... It's interesting. They've actually had a lot of decent bullpen pitchers, so a lot of them kind of blend together. It got a little bit difficult choosing who is a, who are the top three. Um, but I think we can safely put this guy, Kaz Sasaki. He played from 2000 to 2003. He signed as a free agent at the age of 32 after playing the entirety of his career up until that point in Japan. And he became the rook- the AL Rookie of that Year in 2000, which is at the age of 32. So there's a little controversy with that because a 32-year-old man won Rookie of the Year. Hmm. <laughs> I just That's a little weird to me. Yeah. Um, and he's a Mariners all-time saves leader with 129. He played all four of his major league years in Seattle. He was a two-time All-Star. He also pitched in eight playoff games for the Mariners, which is pretty incredible because Mariners have not had that many (laughs) playoff games. (laughs) Uh, He left in 2004 to go back to Japan. He left behind $8.5 million for the following season. So uh, there was a lot of different reports why he was leaving. Um, Most of the reports said it was due to injuries, but if you look at his baseball reference and past that, he played baseball pretty soon after he left Seattle. Nice. Um, some say he just wanted to go home, which is a fair reason. And some other reports said the Mariners front office pushed him out due to some other circumstances regarding some infidelity and Hmm. a woman that was 13 years younger at the time. So that would make her like early twenties or late 19, 18. Um, but, and the Mariners organization, they're pretty, uh, old school in a lot of ways that not old school but they're not the best they don't have the best reputation either so it was weird how it finished but in the end he finished his career with a 3.14 era a 1.08 whip 242 strikeouts and 223 innings it would have been pretty incredible to see him have longevity on this side of the world because he was a pretty dominant pitcher in Japan, and he was a dominant pitcher for the four seasons he played here. I think he would have been way more well-known if he had more time here, if he came here earlier, or if he stayed later. But, I mean, I have respect for this guy for spending his whole career mostly in Japan and only coming in for a short time. So you just chime in there? Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, so not to, you know, any spoilers or spoil any picks here, but it seems like this team is the most diverse in terms of culture especially japanese players i think we have like three or four on our all-time all-time team that's definitely the most out of any other team i obviously there's like the dominican and venezuelan born players that are making up other teams but now i think it is a very interesting yeah that's a good point like 
if you kind of look back at Seattle's history, they have a a long history of signing um, players from Japan. I think they've even signed some from South Korea um, at some point. I don't know if they ended up touching the major leagues, but it's pretty crazy. Um, I think they have very good recruitment overseas like that yeah. because even Shohei Otani, when he was deciding on where he was going to go, Seattle was in the main conversation along with the Angels. So, well, I guess both LA teams at the time too were in talks. Yeah. But the Angels, I mean, the Mariners have definitely recruited well. With um, I think headlined by obviously headlined by Ichiro, so maybe that was some consideration for future players with like Shohei, um, because obviously he is the greatest Japanese Japanese born player to play in the MLB up until this point. Yeah. Um, Shohei might take over that eventually if he continues on at this pace. Yeah, but longevity. anyways, we can talk about that after. Um, so my number two pitcher is. Puerto Rican Puerto Rican born pitcher, I believe. Um, so I'm adding to the diversity that Greg added. Yep. Um, he played from 2016 to 2018. Obviously, he's still young and he's still in the major leagues. He's now the Mets closer and he's been shaky. Um, but he only spent mm-hmm. three seasons in Seattle. But they're all some of the most dominant seasons the Mariners have seen by any reliever. In 2018, he recorded 57 saves, which is tied for second in MLB history in a single season. So that's pretty incredible alone. Um, I don't even know. Did they? Ma- I don't believe. Did they even make the playoffs that year? I I want to say no. Imagine getting 57 saves and they still don't make the playoffs. Poor guy. <laughs> so you said the all the Mariners save leader all time had 120 ish. Yeah. So if Edwin Diaz played two and a half seasons at the same pace he would have taken the taken the lead all time at the same pace but he played three seasons and had 120 i mean 109 saves uh, so it was it could have been close because his two seasons literally split in half basically of his first season uh, um who knows though because he obviously had a terrible um season following he had an era well over five in his debut with the mets um but anyways, in his time with Seattle, he held a 2.64 ERA with a 38.8% K rate and recorded 108, save, 108 saves. I said 109. Um, same thing, basically. He became a major piece in a blockbuster deal that sent him to the Mets. Regardless of what happens for the rest of his career, he's, he has cemented himself on this roster, putting up some historical numbers while he was there. Um, my number three could have gone in a few different ways, um, but... It Wait, was Jeff? Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say before you make the pick, do you remember what the deal was that sent Diaz and I think Cano to the Mets? Do you remember what they got back? I don't know what they got back, but it had to be some pretty major prospects. Yeah, I all I'm on the lookout train while you uh, announce your last pick there. Okay, because that was coming off of the 57 save season where he posted a 1.96 ERA. Um, <laughs> so that is a pretty highly regarded player to be dealt off in the off season um that was i don't even know he might have been arbitration eligible going into that year but they had three more years of service left on his contract so they had possession of him so it wasn't like one of those let's get rid of him during a contract year moves so it it must have cost um okay so my number three guy is jeff nelson he played from 1992 to 1995 and then 2001 to 2003 and then 2005 so he had three stints with the Mariners, and that has him appearing in the most games of any reliever in Seattle's history. 
He may deserve to be higher up on this list as he was highly underrated. Uh, he was a primary setup man throughout his career. In eight seasons, seasons with the Mariners, he pitched 447 innings and held a 3.26 ERA with a 9.5 K per nine. Um, so after his first stint, he went to the Yankees, who you might know him better as, um, Greg. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after his first stint, he went to the Yankees for five seasons in which they won four World Series titles. Classic. And then he came back in 2001 and made his first All-Star appearance that year. And then he got traded in 2003 or is it the, uh, yeah, in 2003 to the Yankees again and won another World Series. And then he once again re-signed with the Mariners in 2005. So it's crazy that he played 8 years in Seattle and never saw a World Series game. <laughs> and then he played 6 seasons in New York and won five rings just to bring back with him yeah. to Seattle, who he kept re-signing with. And so he's not going to make the Yankees ro- roster because obviously yeah. they have a very deep bullpen. And I think he meant more to this organization. Obviously, he enjoyed them more because he kept signing them and then he kept being traded to New York. Um, so I my honorable mentions to Arthur, Ro- Arthur Rhodes, who was Nelson's left-handed counterpart, and posted a 171 ERA in 2001. Pretty incredible. And then J.J. Putz, who has been an honorable mention <laughs> on two rosters to this point. And the other one the other one being Arizona. This guy just put a, had a great career, but not great enough to make these rosters. But yeah. So we'll keep giving him these honorable mentions wherever he pitches. Yeah, where else did he pitch? We'll, we'll give you a little spoiler. <laughs> like, um, I also pulled up the trade for with Edwin Diaz, Robinson Cano. They got back Jared Klenick and, Klenick and Justin Dunn as their immediate impact guys. Um, I think that might have been the only return they got, but obviously a guy like Klenick is... Uh, pretty big. Kellenick was the number two prospect in baseball, just yeah. for those that don't know. Um, so it's a, a pretty that, solid yeah. return for for a guy like Absolutely. Diaz, who never really got back to that form, and a guy like Cano, who spent two of the next three years, I think, between suspensions and injuries on the DL. Yeah. Well, now this is that's a trade that, I mean, right now, they're not regretting it just because what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But this can be a trade that they're gonna look back five years down the line. And Mets are going to be kicking themselves because Jared Kelenic had the highest ceiling of any of these players. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Cano was on the decline. Um, do you really want to trade a closer for potentially <laughs> the next Mike the top three player in baseball? <laughs> yeah, he was second. Okay, he was second to Wander Franco, who is literally one of the best prospects we've seen in a long time. Yeah. So he could have been number one on a prospect list. Yeah. If it weren't for weren't for Wander, so I don't I don't know. Like, would you be willing to give up that caliber of a prospect for a closer? If you get that, even if you get forty saves, if you get that fifty save threshold out of Diaz, mm-hmm. and you can guarantee it for at least one or two years, and then you get yeah. not prime Cano, but you get a solid maybe two ninety average sure. Cano, twenty twenty five home runs, mm-hmm. maybe. And that's a yeah. that's a hard maybe because Kalanick could be like you said he could have could have been the next Vladdy he could have been the next Acuna maybe not quite that but like his ceiling like you yeah. said was high he could have he could have been anything still he could can be. be 
Um, yeah, I think, well, they definitely would have made this move if there wasn't service time left, a lot of service time left on Diaz's contract. And obviously, Diaz has been very, has been disappointing for the Mets for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in hindsight, hindsight's twenty twenty. Maybe at the time, you kind of taking a sh- more sure thing with a guy that posted 57 saves and an ERA under two. And he was only, at the time, I believe 24 years of age. I would you might take that guy over a guy that hasn't seen a game and he's in his teens still. Yeah. So, um, okay, I'll jump over to the other side of things and start doing the infield. And before I get started, I just want to mention and remind everyone that in our all-time teams, we can only a player can only make one franchise's all-time team. So, I'm going to mention a name, maybe two, no, probably just one name in here that people might be a little upset didn't make the squad but it's because we have we have bigger things in store for that player Isaac knows exactly what I'm talking about Jacob knows who I'm about to say or who I'll work up to saying but um, starting pitching there's another name Randy Johnson throw out there we mentioned him as part of Arizona already he can't make the Seattle squad because of our rules Um, I think it's a good rule keep everything in order Uh, just wanted to make that disclaimer before I start jumping into names here so we'll start off at catcher I have Dan Wilson i I don't think there's there's really much much debate here. He was he had the longevity, didn't have the offensive numbers, but he was a great defensive catcher. Played over 1,200 games with the Mariners. Um, longevity as in he spent what 10 years with them, uh, and he was an All Star in 1996. His slash line, obviously, I said he didn't have great offensive numbers. His slash line was 262, 309, and 284. <laughs> uh, slugging was actually lower than his on base. Um, yeah, he he played 405 more games than any other catcher in franchise history. I think it's a pretty easy decision. They haven't had any standout catchers. Uh, any any uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Any objections from your your side of things? Honestly, I'll take any catcher on any team. Like, yeah, never debating the catcher. Yeah, I don't think I I'm not sure if we'll have multiple catchers that are worthy of truly making an all-time list yeah until we get to the like the more historic historic teams unless you think like mike piazza for the mets i don't know if they have anyone more historic than that yogi Berra. yeah for the yankees obviously uh okay yeah so like do they have competitors even though no probably not uh the yankees your, might have like jorge posada there and your boy uh gary sanchez <laughs> one day yeah he's the <laughs> defensive war leader in the yankees i think of all time <laughs> okay um i'm gonna go into first base here this is a little tighter of a race um the names i'm looking at are alvin davis and john olrude personally i consider john olrude more of a blue jay that's where i remember seeing him that's where i picture him wearing their uniform um but i'm going with alvin davis he had the highest b war of all mariner first baseman of 20.1 Spent eight years with the team. He's actually known as Mr. Mariner. So if you don't have Mr. Mariner on your all-time list, is it an all-time list? <laughs> You're doing it wrong. Yeah. Uh, he won a Rookie of the Year. He was an All-Star just one time. Uh, overall slash line as a Mariner of 281, 381, 453. Not terrible. Over over 800 OPS. Um, 160 homers, 667 RBI, 563 runs. Uh, any any objections to my first baseman no i do want to point out we, we couldn't pick john olerud did you say we couldn't pick him or did you just give him an honorable mention uh, i just gave him an honorable mention i, uh, I wasn't gonna because pick him. 
he is he is on our uh, roster for the Toronto Blue Jays. He is their DH okay. over there. Uh, moving on to second base, this one, I again is a pretty tight race, a pretty you know two horse two horse race. I'm going with Brett Boone. Uh, the other name that would come to mind is Robinson Cano, but again, I consider him consider him more of a Yankee. I don't think he makes the Yankees squad, but he spent nine years in New York, five in Seattle. I'll take him as a Yankee. Um, again, not for the all-time team, but I'm just not putting him in the Mariners lineup. He's got the whole steroid cloud over him now. Uh, he did have three all-star selections, slash pretty well, but I I like Brett Boone in this scenario. Brett Boone had two all-star appearances, three gold gloves, two silver slovers, sluggers, spent seven years in Seattle, led the league in RBI, in 2001 with 141 that's a pretty good number uh especially for a second baseman you don't see that kind of production out of that slot so brett boone is my second baseman uh and the next two positions there might be a little a little controversy stirred up here uh i will start with third base i'm gonna say edgar martinez is not my third baseman but before before you freak out and before everyone loses their shit He's my DH. Who the fuck is your first third, th- your third baseman? My third baseman is Kyle Seeger. Yeah, I, I see the look on your face, and I know you don't like the pick, but I think it has to be Kyle Seeger. Um, I'll I'll okay, I'll I'll give you some numbers. Hold on, their owner themselves, the owner himself said before the season that Kyle Seeger is probably overpaid. He's overrated. Um. Not that great. Okay, well. But anyways, pe- go ahead. Go with your numbers. People in front offices have a tendency to make to talk out their ass sometimes. Uh, so he has two of the three top B-War seasons ever by a Mariners third baseman. That other in the top three being Edgar Martinez. Spent eight and a half years with the team. Over 1,200 games played. Fourth in Mariners all-time hits leaders with 1,267. 30.7 F-War, uh, which is higher than the next three Mariners third baseman combined. Um, again, this is not including Edgar Martinez as a third baseman. He actually only started 27% of his career games at third base, which makes him more of a DH than a third baseman. So I don't think that qualifies him for this position. Uh, I mentioned he's a longevity guy. He played at least 154 games in all but one season. I believe that was 2019 where he suffered an injury. So that's why I have him as my third baseman. Okay, I don't think I I don't completely disagree with him being a third baseman, but now you're taking a certain player out of consideration in at DH. I I know who we're taking out of consideration, and that is partially because I think he makes another team's all-time squad potentially a DH. Okay, um, we, we've actually we can men- talk about him when we get there. Then. We've mentioned his name in this uh, discussion already earlier in the show, so. Um, that's a hint for now. We'll get to him in a few minutes. Um, Jacob is going to jump in right at the perfect timing. We're going to about to talk shortstop. Hello. Hello. I am back. <laughs> I have defeated my computer. Or did it defeat you? I don't know. It might. No, be I, I definitely, I definitely took an L. You guys are already on the uh, the Mariners all time list here, right? Yeah, we we flew fast. <laughs> we flew by pretty fast, I think. Okay, well that, that's fine. Uh, you know, I made a nice smoothie and a little lunch. Well, my fucking computer downloaded it, a new version. It was such a shit show, man. But happy to be on with you guys now, and uh, we'll see when I'm editing the rest of the podcast how things went beforehand. Hopefully, you know, you guys could could hold your own weight without me, 
And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I couldn't step up to the plate. I got nervous, started stuttering more than usual, started confusing Trevor's story with Trevor Bauer. <laughs> and that's <laughs> Not a good guy to confuse him with. <laughs> uh, sounds like there might be a lot of editing for me then, but that's, yeah. uh, that's all right, you know? It's, uh, we're definitely winging this episode a little bit. That was, that was a real rough start for us. I thought for sure that I was going to throw something off my balcony in a rage, so... Uh, Luckily, nothing was was damaged, um, and I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So, what what have you guys discussed so far? You've you've gotten up to third base, Isaac. Have you given your bullpen yet, or anything? Yeah, I gave my bullpen first. So, uh, I believe that Greg is gonna do shortstop, and then we will go into your starting rotation, and then he'll finish off with the outfield. Like Greg was saying, it's the perfect time because shortstop was a great debate in our group chat leading up to today. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Without further ado, I think I can jump right in. Do you want to recap on my my infield pick so far, or you'll? Uh... No, we'll do it at the end. Okay. I already know who you picked, okay. so I'm good. I don't think I think you got surprised by who was at third base. Uh oh. Who did you who Jacob? Who do you think Greg picked at third base? Kyle Seager. Oh okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. He said that beforehand. Because oh, only I, only because the DH goes to Edgar Martinez because the other person who would qualify for the DH might make another team. Okay, yeah. then I have no then I have no problem if the other guy makes another team. Okay. He will make another team. Okay. Then I'm fine sure. with your third base pick. Okay. All right, now that we're on the same page. Uh shortstop, tight very, very hot debate. The best <laughs> shortstop in Mariners history is not gonna make the franchise team because he makes another team and that's kinda that's not up for debate, I guess, at this point. We've we've debated enough and decided that Alex Rodriguez is not gonna make the Mariners team. He's actually gonna make the Yankees team, not to be a spoiler. Um, that's the reasoning, but I want to highlight Alex Rodriguez as a Mariner because no one comes close to his Mariner numbers. No one comes close to his production in a Mariner's uniform. The next best would be Omar Vizquel, and he's obviously an Indian. And I think that's... He makes the Indians shortstop a position. A, uh, sorry, a guardian. <laughs> a fucking dumb. Well, dumb he was an Indian name. when he played for them. So, yeah. Yeah. He's an Indian. Um, so a breakdown on Alex Rodriguez... Uh, because he deserves the spotlight at shortstop here, and then we'll give the guy mm. who makes the all-time team maybe like a 20, 30-second window. Uh, <laughs> <Not even. laughs> so Alex Rodriguez spent seven years in Seattle. He slashed 309, 374, 561, which gives him a 934 OPS. Pretty good over decent. seven years. Yeah, decent. Four-time Silver Slugger, four-time All-Star. He has the franchise record for shortstops, that is, in games played, at-bats, hits, doubles, runs, and stolen bases, actually. Um, and he's top in franchise history for all positions in slugging percentage and OPS. Uh, he has a total B-War of 38.1, which is more than the next five Mariner shortstops combined. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Uh, so, okay, well, can we, can we do something about this? Can we just leave your shortstop position blank? <laughs> can we? And, no. Or put in our thing, not Alex Rodriguez. We can, man, we've a been, bunch of asterisks. We've been over this. Okay, <laughs> Greg, Greg is right. Like, obviously, Alex <laughs> Rodriguez is the best shortstop. But if we're, if we're doing this, if we're doing this right and we're going to have a play down at the end of, you know, like, putting all the teams together, you can't have the same guy on, oh, the, I didn't say on, that. on multiple no. different teams. I, I know, but getting rid of the DH and putting a pitcher slot there so you don't put your shortstop or, in there or, in memoriam. What if you put 
Kyle Seeger at short, and you put Edgar <laughs> Martinez at third, and our unnamed superstar. Has Kyle D8. Seeger ever played shortstop? No, I, he can figure it out. <laughs> I don't think he has. I mean, his brother can, so yeah, Corey can. Yeah, they're the same, right? Um, no, definitely not the same. <laughs> okay, so that brings the heated shortstop conversation down to two guys who I don't know is are either going to make my present day shortstop for <laughs> any team um <laughs> carlos guillen and gene segura <laughs> let me redo carlos i can't believe how fucking thin it is after a rod <laughs> yeah. eh? it's crazy um, it's a, it's almost who do you think had worse shortstops tampa bay or I, seattle yeah, are, <laughs> isn't are tampa this crazy worse? i don't know Hold on, isn't this crazy that they've been around since 1977 and Gene Segura is about to make your all-time roster or Carlos Guillen? Yeah. Like, yeah. So let me, let me give you Carlos Guillen's slash line. Uh, two, oh, God. 264, 383, uh, and then uh, that 383 is slugging and 718 OPS. Um, his best, best season, so he spent six years in Seattle. His best season was 03, where he scored 63 runs. 52 RBI, earth-shattering 52 RBI, and slash 276, 359, 394. His OPS was 104. OPS plus was 104, which means he was just absolutely (laughs) barely a hairline above average. Um, And then he went on to play, I think, eight seasons in Detroit. Uh, So not even the majority of career was in Seattle. He didn't make our all-time roster, but he's our, our backup shortstop, if you will. Um... Our starting shortstop spent two years with the team. Gene Gene, the hit machine, Segura, uh, had one all-star appearance in those two years. Uh, 335 hits, 302 average, 766 OPS, and 171 runs scored. Uh, Essentially, we talked about this already, he earned himself a nice contract in Philly, and that's all Seattle was for him. He's now making just under $15 million this year um, as a result of his years in Seattle, I would say. And that is our shortstop position. Yep. <laughs> that's that's how it's got to be, man. It's real sad. We were talking about this like if if we had A-Rod at shortstop for Seattle, this Seattle team is a contender. Like they're they're pretty stacked, but the w- w- not to spoil what's going to happen with the Yankees here, but Alex Rodriguez, as soon as you think about him, he is like a Yankee. Like Yankee comes to mind. Yankees third baseman, and surprisingly for such a storied franchise that the Yankees are, they haven't had like a ton of great third basemen. So the differentiation between Craig or Greg Nettles, who's like kind of the second best third baseman that the Yankees have had, between him and A-Rod, there's actually like quite a difference. Like A-Rod just kind of really takes the cake there. So I I I I think we have to put him on the Yankees squad. So unfortunately for the Mariners, that kind of thins out their lineup a little bit, but you know, they're still good. We haven't even got to the outfield yet where there's two complete legends. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's good. But without further d- further ado, let's move into my starting lineup or starting rotation, sorry. So, the first absolute no-brainer who is going to lead this rotation and is potentially a Hall of Famer, a little debate we had beforehand, he... He might get some votes for Hall of Fame. Not sure he'll actually make it in, but King Felix. So obviously when you think about the Mariners and pitching, 
Felix Hernandez is the first guy that comes to mind. He literally had his own section in left field called King's Court, where people just show up and wore yellow and like had crowns and shit anytime he was pitching. He's a Cy Young winner, six-time All-Star, won the ERA title twice. He also had a couple cool accomplishments, being an immaculate inning and a perfect game. Immaculate innings are very rare and uh, just really cool to see. And obviously, perfect game, also very rare. Um, He spent 15 years in the big leagues. All of them were with Seattle. That's from 2005 to 2019. The last three years, he had some major regression, um, but... Yeah, he, that, that doesn't take away from, from what he accomplished beforehand. He is the franchise leader for the Seattle Mariners in wins, innings pitched, games started, batters faced, pitcher war, and he's part of a four-way tie for the ERA title for the Seattle Mariners, which is actually really interesting. Yeah. Um, there's two guys that are tied for this ERA title that we will mention. Uh, they're also part of this rotation. Um, but basically if, if his ERA was, uh, 342 for his career with Seattle. And if you remove those last three years that I talked about where he had like obvious regression and was just like, not the same, like kind of seemed like he used all of his bullets, you know, uh, if you take away those last three seasons, he actually had a 316 ERA with the team. And he's also the team or the franchise leader in strikeouts with 2,524. So, no-brainer, King Felix, goaded, definitely atop this rotation. I agree. So then, secondly, you might think, if you think of Mariners and their best pitchers that they ever had, same kind of thing we had with uh, Alex Rodriguez here, where uh, Randy Johnson, obviously, is probably the second best, if not the best. You could have a debate between him and, and Felix Hernandez being the best Mariners pitchers of all time. But we already assigned Randy Johnson to the Arizona Diamondbacks because that is where he had the most success in his career, arguably. So he's with them. So he was not on this team. That kind of thins out the pitching staff a little bit, but I think it's still a pretty good rotation. So in our second spot, and maybe open for debate here about how we actually roll them out there, but the fact is we got five guys, but... So I'll say number two right now is Hisashi Iwakuma. Uh, He was an absolute stud in Japan's uh, Nippon Professional Baseball League, which is basically the MLB of Japan. He came to Seattle in 2012, and I remember at that time that was like a really big signing for them. Um, They obviously expected great things out of him because of how many awards and accolades he had accumulated in Japan. Uh, But yeah, he came in 2012 and stayed until 2017. He threw a no-hitter in 2015 and was an all-star in 2013. Across four seasons, he in his first four seasons, sorry, because he was like 37 or something in his fifth season, uh, and it didn't go so well. So we're just going to kind of take that out because, you know, once you get to a certain age, you've already accomplished everything you need. You don't need to worry about about that last season there. First four seasons, he had a 47 and 25 record, a 317 ERA, and a 108 WHIP. So, to me, Iwakuma is the number two in this rotation. Isaac, you got anything to say about him? <laughs> um, I think there's a guy that could be over him. Okay. 
Fine. We'll get to that when I get yeah. to the honorable mention. And but I no, even I like him. even me. So for me, uh, there's like six people who could be part of this rotation. And there's a debate for this guy that we have in sixth to potentially take over Iwakuma and another guy in the rotation. So I'll get to that. Um, but yeah. So Freddy Garcia is going to be our third. He is a two-time All-Star uh, in his six seasons with Seattle. He was there from 99 to 2004. He accumulated a 72-43 and 43 record. He was definitely a workhorse for the Mariners. He eclipsed 200 innings five out of the six seasons he was there. He led the, uh, in, in 2001, he led the league in ERA, innings pitched, home run per nine, and he finished third in Cy Young voting that season. Obviously, as some people might remember, um, I'm not sure if Isaac did my little intro I had here for, for the Seattle team. Did you? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, so 2001 was like a big year for the Mariners. Uh, he pitched very well in 2001, and he actually picked up two wins in that 2001 ALCS. So he was a very big part of that team. So I think that cements him uh, in this rotation. Oh, and also, cool little side note, he was apparently Felix Hernandez's idol. So Interesting. That was just a, a cool little note. So cool to have the two of them in the in the rotation to here together. Jacob, I didn't say anything about 2001 in your intro. No, that's okay. I said what you said in your intro. Uh, I'm not looking at it. But 2001 was a, they went to the ALCS. So they, as Isaac, I'm sure mentioned in there, uh, they're, what, the only franchise mm-hmm. that hasn't won a World Series? Or hasn't uh, competed well, hasn't in a World appearance. Series. Yeah, sorry. In, yeah. Yeah, 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 I caught myself. Yeah, I know that there's other teams. Um, but yeah, okay, cool. So that brings us to number four. And maybe we're a little, I'm a little bit partial to this guy because he is Canadian. He is the big maple. James Paxton is going to be number four in this rotation. He actually grew up in Ladner, British Columbia, which is only about a two-hour drive from Seattle. So kind of cool that he is, you know, pretty close to home. Um, I think that makes it easy for fans to, you know, like someone like that if they're kind of like a a local, like homegrown, home-type guy. Um, But anyways, he was with the Mariners from 2013 to 2018, and now he's actually re-signed with them and is back this year. Unfortunately, uh, injuries have plagued a lot of his career, and he is again injured. Uh, He's actually getting Tommy John this year, so you know maybe he can come back from Tommy John and have a successful second stint here with Seattle. And to me, that kind of is part of the reason I have him in this rotation as well, is because he did come back to Seattle and he might be able to, you know, put something together with the uh, with them in his second stint here as well. Um, but many people may remember that he threw a no-hitter in 2018, and that actually happened in Toronto, which is cool for a couple of reasons. Obviously, one being that he's Canadian, but also that he was drafted by the Blue Jays, and then there was some sort of issue with signing him. They had never ended up signing him. He went back to college and then got redrafted the next year, I believe, by Seattle. So he could have actually been a Blue Jay, uh, but never never was. Um, so yeah, he threw he threw a no-hitter in 2018 at the Rogers Center, and that was just kind of a, a cool moment. Kyle Seeger, who is also on this list, had a really big play at third base to keep that no-hitter alive. So 
you know, it's all coming together full circle. But uh, yeah, he was, he's also, as I mentioned, uh, there was a four-way tie for ERA leader with the Mariners and James Paxton is a part of that four-way tie. So he has a 342 ERA, 118 whip, 41 and 26 record, 0.8 home run per nine, which is very good. And he also has 9.5 strikeouts per nine innings. Um, as I mentioned, he's dealt with a lot of injuries, but in his time with Seattle, when he was healthy, he was like an easy top of the rotation guy. He's got really good stuff. And, you know, hopefully we can see him after he comes back from Tommy John here, put together something that, you know, helps his case for being on this team. Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Jamie Moyer. So Jamie Moyer is actually like, if you look into Jamie Moyer, he is a real interesting read. He pitched 25 years in the big leagues, which is fucking crazy. That's just such a long career. He pitched until he was 49 years old. The guy was almost 50 pitching in big league games. The most, like, this is mostly because he was like one of the softest tossers to ever play baseball in, like, the modern era, basically. He literally maxed out his fastball at about 83 miles per hour. He would routinely throw his fastball at about 80 miles per hour, sometimes less than 80 miles per hour on his fastball. That's like an R.A. Dickey fastball. Kind of crazy. BP. Um, yeah, you literally see you literally see these pitchers come in, or players come in and, and pitch and throw harder than that, so crazy that he was able to you know have a pretty nice career uh for himself so he also played with the phillies the cubs the orioles texas colorado st louis and boston but by far his longest tenure was with seattle that was 11 years um he's also a roberto clemente award winner he was an all-star in 2003 and is part of the seattle mariners hall of fame if that means anything um, <laughs> he pitched in their 1997 and 2001 postseason runs. He didn't pitch with them in 2000 when they made the playoffs, I believe. Um, but I think he, he must've been injured or something. I don't know. Or they just didn't trust him at that time. Um, but yeah, he, he was with them for two postseason runs, uh, over his time in Seattle, he accumulated a 133 and 73 record. Uh, 396 ERA, 124 whip. He had 18 complete games and five shutouts. So he's kind of a longevity guy. He's also, you know, fills in that five spot nicely because he's just super dependable and will go out there and eat innings for you and do what it takes to to win the game. You know, soft contact you to death, basically. Um, Fun fact, his 544 home runs allowed in his career is an MLB record. So... Kind of, and it'll probably be impossible to beat just because of like, it, it's basically because of how much he played that people were just allowed, uh, like able to, you know, rack up such a big home run title on him uh, or total on him. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, so our honorable mention now, this is what we were getting at. The sixth, the sixth guy here is Mark Langston. So he was a workhorse for the Mariners uh, from 1984 to 1988 he led the league in strikeouts three times. He was an all-star and two-time gold glove winner. He also had 41 complete games. The reason he did not make the cut, because if you look at those like accolades right there, like 
pretty impressive. He had he was like a really big walker. He gave up hits and he just always had a super high whip. Um, so if you look at his FIP and like underlying metrics and stuff, and he had some inconsistencies. So there's some debate on you know how uh, how effective a pitcher he really was. But I mean, to lead the league in strikeouts three times, like you have to get some respect. Um, the other th- reason he's not in this rotation is because his best years actually came uh, with Anaheim or California, I think at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to kind of leave him in contention for that and I think have him as the sixth guy in this rotation. But, you know, James Paxton might get injured. So, you know, Mark Langston, we can sub him in there uh, if need be. But those are the pitchers. Uh, I don't know how you guys are feeling about it. I have I have two things I want to say. Um, one, we talked about the whole players can only be on one team. Imagine this team, before we finish off outfield and all that, imagine this team with A-Rod in there. You know, Edgar Martinez, let's say, is at third, and you have that other unnamed guy at DH, and you have Randy Johnson and the pitching staff. Like, that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I'd probably take Langston over Paxton, but I think, like you said, it could go either way. Um, the second point I want to make, I know I know, we talked about this, is Felix Hernandez Hall of Fame. Uh, do you think that's a, a legit... I know. I think I know your answers, but... Do you think that's a legitimate thing? Do you think he's Hall of Fame worthy? I think that he'll definitely get some votes. He's one of those guys that, you know, will probably be like a fringe Hall of Famer. Um, he might have to be on the ballot like a couple times before he actually gets in. But I think that he, you know, when you look at his career and reflect on like what he did for baseball, I think that there's a strong case to be made that he's hall of fame worthy there's guys in the hall of fame i would say that are probably less worthy than he was i know that's something we go back to uh probably too often but going back to the well there again i i think that you know he could probably beat out some of the people that are in there so why not uh think about it you know like i think i think there's a chance but i i definitely don't think i'm not by no means do i think he's a shoe in but i think he'll definitely get some consideration fair enough any anything to say there isaac I mean, Jacob definitely covered it all. I think we should just start replacing players like King Felix with the old, old guys in the Hall of Fame that have no way. There would be no way they'd be even pitching in Major League Baseball if they were alive today. True. <laughs> go, go and redact what they said before. and Yeah. Uh, a little bit of editing. Um, okay, I'm going to go ahead with my outfield in DH, if that's all right. Yep, do it. We'll start off with DH. We already told you. It's Edgar Martinez. And this guy has, has some ridiculous stats. He was making this team regardless, um, whether it's at third or... Of where we put yeah. him, yeah. Whether it's at third or DH, he's, he's on this team. Um, I know I mentioned he only played 27-ish percent of his career starts in games at third base, um, which in this case will qualify him for DH in our, in our uh, scenario here. 18 years, all with Seattle. Love the legacy guys that don't change. Um, great start. Uh, seven-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer. Second in Mariners history in batting average with 312. That that uh, that unnamed guy so far, uh, he, he's beating him. He has a lot of hits. He's pretty good at that. Uh, in 1995, he led the league in games played, runs, doubles, average, OPS, and OPS+. Plus. Pretty good season. Uh, 
three times led the league in on base percentage, second all-time Mariners hit leader with 2,247, second in OPS, and he has an offensive war of 66.9, which is best in team history, and he leads the Mariners all-time in the following categories. Grab your popcorn. Um, (laughs) Offensive war on base percentage, games played, plate appearances, runs scored, total bases, doubles, RBI, walks, and hit by pitches. (laughs) Edgar Martinez, welcome, welcome to the team. You're, you might be hitting cleanup. Maybe number two. I don't know yet. Uh, we'll start in the outfield with the least exciting of the three. Uh, Mr. Jay Buhner. Still good. Yeah, Mr. Jay Buhner. 14 years with the team. All-star, gold glove. Fifth all-time in Mariners hit list with just over 1,250. Um, six in slugging and OPS. And fifth most played appearances in Mariners history, fourth in total bases. He's pretty much top five in all of their major offensive categories. Uh, and that's Jay Buhner. Next, we have a guy named Ichiro. We mentioned this team is diverse. They have some Japanese players that made their all-time team. I think this makes, is it three? Three on their all-time team now with Iwakuma? Iwakuma, yeah. Yeah, so Ichiro Suzuki, might have heard of him pretty good. Uh, 14 years with the team. <laughs> 10 consecutive years as an all-star, 10 consecutive years, gold glove, three-time silver slugger. He also won an MVP and a rookie of the year in case you needed a little more evidence. Uh, Led the league in hits seven times in 10 years with Seattle, or seven out of 10 years in a row. Um, Best player out of Japan in history so far, Shohei Otani maybe, if he sticks around, does what he's doing. 2,542 hits, 99 home runs, which makes you think maybe, you know, he could have got one more. Maybe, you know, fumble the ball in the outfield, let him get that 100th home run. Whatever. Not my problem. 99 home (laughs) runs with the team. 1,181 runs scored, over 8,500 plate appearances, and he's a Mariners all-time leader in at-bats and batting average. Any any issues with that pick? Absolutely (laughs) not. This, if we're talking Hall of Famers, this is a shoe-in Hall of Famer, right? The lot. Um... Also, one 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 fun fact about Ichiro: uh, didn't he hit a inside the park home run in an All Star game? And that's the yes. only inside the park home run in an All Star game in the history of All Star games. Yes. Yeah. Fucked up. So, <laughs> okay. Another 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 cool stat there. Also, he has a guy that looks just like him that caught a foul, what he thought was a foul ball that was actually in play and got kicked out of the stadium. Another fun fact, cool highlight if you ever want to look it up. <laughs> um this last guy might have heard of him he's also pretty good i think he should be the the league logo instead of whoever it is now i know people talked about that uh undebatably best swing in baseball history smoothest just it gets me going i'm pitching a tent just thinking about it (laughs) also known as the kid ken griffey jr 13 years in seattle 10 times consecutive years all-star an mvp as well 10 times consecutive years gold glove Seven-time Silver Slugger, led the league in home run slugging percentage and RBI in 1997. Also led the league in home run three straight years from 1997 and 1999. Pretty good, not bad. Franchise leader in WAR, top three in franchise slugging, OPS, games played, at bats, runs, hits, and total bases. That's Ken Griffey Jr., uh, Hall of Famer. Pretty incredible. Hopefully, no one uh, debates that pick. I also want to bring up the Seattle Mariners lineup. Now that we've gone through all of their all of our picks from 2001, and I think most of our our all time lineup or our all time players made this lineup or were on this team. Freddie Garcia, Jamie Moyer, Jeff Nelson, Dan Wilson, 
Brett Boone, Carlos Guillen, backup shortstop, uh, John Olrud, <laughs> Jay Buhner, like Ichiro Suzuki, Edgar Martinez, and that team didn't make it to the World Series. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr., also before you move on from him, was a two-time uh, home run derby champion. Yeah, important. Um, yeah, so that's the team. I don't know. Do you guys want to recap? Sure. Uh, we need your honorable mentions. Uh, I think if I had an honorable mention, I mentioned them already. Um, mine would have been... Missing a big one, uh, I think. Oh, the guy we haven't named yet? Yeah, the unnamed <laughs> the, man that we've been teasing yeah. this whole time. Um, the unnamed <laughs> man is Nelson Cruz, but he is making another The team. love of my life. Yeah. I love Nelson Cruz. He's but like my I favorite think, player. But I think the team he's going to, he played half as much time in Seattle, but he had more home runs in Seattle. Yeah, but I I don't want I don't like him over Edgar Martinez at DH. I and like him. I like Edgar Martinez over Kyle Seager at third base. This and is then this is kind of the Nelson same Cruz at DH. But I do I do get the argument, and it's a legitimate argument that he is on a different roster. Yeah. If you wow. if you actually look at Nelson Cruz's trajectory, and we'll get to this when we get to you know that team, and which actually I think is probably not too far off, right? Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, th- I think like if you actually look at his career, he's literally gotten better with age. Like he just, his career mm-hmm. stats keep improving and the team that he was actually, uh, is going to be on his numbers with that team are better overall. If you look at the lines than they were with Seattle. So Wait, are you, Oh, we're going with that team. Yeah. Oh, the one, okay, never mind. The I one that we're... just traded him. <laughs> oh, Okay, I thought you were thinking If you Texas. don't know who it is by now, you don't I know thought, baseball I that well. You, I thought you were thinking Texas because he spent eight years there. No. His, okay, uh, his, his, yeah. A team that he spent half the season with before getting traded to the Tampa Bay Rays. That we already talked that about team. this year, or this podcast. Yes, he did. <laughs> to be fair, he, he's only, he's played 258 games in Minnesota. Yeah. His no, now you said it. You said it. Obviously, uh, twenty okay, twenty twenty. He played in fifty. That's a that's a full season of work. I just yeah. I don't know. I like him in Seattle. Okay, I think that's where he belongs. But I'm fine with wherever. Also, at the end of the day, but not really. So, assuming we optimize absolutely everything in this lineup, how dangerous would this be? Uh, Dan Wilson at catcher, whatever catchers don't matter. Uh, Alvin Dave. Catch, uh, okay. Dan Wilson was like he was like top ten in like RBIs and stuff for Seattle, wasn't he? Uh, he he had a good yeah career. because he played over twelve hundred games. <laughs> if yeah, you okay. play twenty years in one spot, yeah. Yeah. you will make every list. So that's a, that's a fair point. This team would be Alvin Davis, Brett Boone, Edgar Martinez at third, Alex Rodriguez at short, Nelson Cruz at DH, Jay Buhner, Ichiro, <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr. in the outfield. How crazy is that? Yeah, we definitely did this organization wrong. They Man, made I'm, them look like shit. No, <laughs> dude, I, I, I said they, that I yeah, said this yeah. beforehand. I was cool, with, and I wasn't here obviously when you guys were announcing yeah. it, so that's on me to not defend it. But I think we should have put Edgar Martinez at third base and had Nelson Cruz as the DH because there's another worthy DH in Minnesota that we could put there. Um, and I really do think of. Nelson Cruz more as a Mariner than I do as a twin, even though he did have a lot of success with the okay. Twins. Okay, 
but, but Ken, I also want to let's mention his samples here. So in Texas, he played 796 games. In Seattle, he had 606 games. And Minnesota, he only had 258 games. Okay. Well, so, yeah. I don't know. That, I guess. Like, <laughs> now now we're all like backtracking. Like, what the fuck do we would do? He, with would them? he make the Texas team? You said he, his stat line's not great there, right? No, he had more home runs in Seattle in four years than he did in eight years in Texas. Yeah. All of his numbers are better. He did, like, he got better with age, absolutely. He had two all star appearances with Texas. He also had a good wow. season in, in Baltimore, which is interesting too, yeah. but uh, he definitely won't end up there. Um, but yeah, like if you guys go right now and look at his baseball reference and then just compare like the stack, it's like Texas, Seattle, Minnesota. And if you look, it literally gets progressively better. So as he's aging. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think we'll, I think we should leave it as is. So Greg, why don't you, why don't you read off uh, what the actual lineup was when it was all said and done? Are adjusted for players being an optimal other lineup lineup is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah okay. exactly uh catcher we got dan wilson first base alvin davis second base brett boone third base kyle seager shortstop gene gene the hit machine segura uh outfield jay buner ichiro suzuki and ken griffey jr the kid uh and at dh edgar martinez cool nice uh bullpen we have Kaz Sasaki, Edwin Diaz, and Jeff Nelson. And our starting rotation is King Felix, Hasashi Iwakuma, Freddie Garcia, James Paxton, and Jamie Moyer. Thank you guys for uh, carrying this podcast for the first like three quarters of it until I was able to jump on. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll get to listen to it. It'll be like listening to a brand new podcast when I go through and edit be disappointed (laughs) i I doubt it i doubt it i have low expectations so you know there there you go (laughs) yeah anyways uh, thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed it uh we are on instagram at shape by sports our website is shapebysports.com so follow along there and thanks so much for listening have a great day